Today on Act News Daily. This tool is an educational tool for farmers and producers to help them identify their conservation resource concerns on their land. As you can see, the tool is located here at farmers.gov slash conserve slash tool. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. Ashton, I had to think about it there for a second. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm having a hard time keeping track of my days lately. I'm right there with you, Delaney. And we were talking about how long our days have been this week, and it's just causing me to have a big headache. But I do have some good news for you. Okay, let's hear it. So there is supposed to be some relief for the drier areas of the Midwest. And I, I don't know if it's you specifically, I guess, but the Midwest is predicted to see some rain here arriving just before Thanksgiving. Um, Ashton, that is not good news for me. I don't like rain all that particularly well. It makes it really hard for me to find motivation to like, you know, go do things. But I suppose for our farmer friends who are obviously who listen to the podcast, that is good news for them. See, I am a person who actually likes the rain. I guess it really doesn't make me motivated either. I just sit in bed all day, but I really love those kinds of days. So I'm a fan of the rain. Well, Ashton, you just wait. You, uh, are about to graduate college, then you'll be welcomed to the real world. Oh, I don't even want to talk about that. It's less than a month to graduation. And I'm absolutely freaking out. Even though I do have a plan, I I just think it's it's becoming all too real and it's just creating an even bigger headache than I already have right now. Yeah, well, you'll get over it. It's also, there's, there's good things. It's not all bad, I should say. <laughs> well, thank you for that... Uh, ending on a, on a positive note, I guess. It's not all bad. Hopefully it, it gets a little bit better. It does. It does. I promise. Well, as far as new, news goes today, Delaney, I read an article today about the Biden administration and his approach to trade. And I know this has been a, a thing that we've been looking out for on what his trade is going to, to mean for agriculture and just, you know, the, the markets in general. But the trade approach of the presumed president-elect Joe Biden is beginning to take shape already. Speaking to reporters yesterday, Biden said he won't pursue a punitive trade policy, but that he's going to invest in American workers to make them more competitive. Minnesota Farmers Union President Gary Worstish tells Brownfield Ag News he believes that the Biden administration will bring stability He also said that he expects Biden to work multilaterally with other countries, but we saw President Trump take a bilateral trade approach. And so this could mean a lot of different things as we might transition from a bilateral trade approach to a multilateral trade approach. So I'm excited to see how that really affects the markets if that is the approach that President-elect Joe Biden will take to trade. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to see for sure, just because you're right. President Trump has been very focused on bilateral or even trilateral, obviously, in the instance of USMCA. Um, And to be honest, I hadn't paid a ton of attention heading into the election about what President-elect Biden's plans were for trade. So I'm glad you brought that up, Ashton. But I want to switch tracks here just a little bit, because as we talk about trade, obviously, the elephant in the room, as you mentioned, there is China. And China has been 
actually having quite a bit of success when it comes to rebuilding their hog herd, as we continue to talk about here, we saw not only their hog herd jumping, but also their feed need jumping. And domestically, Chinese hog feed production has risen about 64% in October, really signaling that their herd is rebounding well. That bodes well as, of course, for U.S. commodities as they need to feed that uh increasing hog herd. The other flip side of that is U.S. beef has also been seeing a steady rise, not only commodities, not only on the grain side of things, but beef as well. Um, U.S. beef exports dipped just slightly the first week of November, but we are still seeing quite a few shipments to China as uh, we continue to talk about COVID-19 and them rebuilding their hog herds. Um, We're still really seeing China chew through literally U.S. beef. Well, Delaney, I'm glad that you brought up China and specifically I want to talk about their imported products. And I just reported yesterday and we've been talking a little bit more about it on the podcast and previous episodes about them finding traces of COVID-19 on packages of really just meat products, if I'm remembering correctly. And major food producing countries are starting to grow frustrated with China's scrutiny of imported products and are calling on the country to stop aggressive testing for the coronavirus, which some say is a tantamount to a trade restriction. China, of course, has said that it has found the virus on the packaging of products from 20 countries, including German pork, Brazilian beef, and Indian fish. But foreign officials say the lack of evidence produced by authorities means it is damaging trade and hurting the reputation of imported food without reason. And from from my understanding, all of the tests that they have done that have come back positive are nucleic acid tests that, that have come back positive for COVID-19. And with such limited information on how it tested positive for COVID-19 or when and, and all of that business, I think a lot of countries are really growing frustrated with China. And just to to name a few that I I have read that are growing frustrated and are in support of them, them being China, not going through with their intensification of testing and screening being Australia, Brazil, Mexico, Britain, the US, Canada, just to, to name a few I know that I have read about. Yeah, I think quite a few countries are upset by this for multiple reasons. Um, Obviously, the COVID-19 being a big one since it's been speculated by a lot of countries, including the United States, that China could have prevented this, but uh, really didn't. Yeah, I... I think it's interesting that they are seeing an increase in these. And there was a report that I did. I can't remember if it was last week or if it was yesterday about, you know, a package that had gotten there in August. Uh, I think it was a package of beef that had gotten to China in August and had just tested positive for COVID-19. And so I think it's definitely interesting. I don't know whether or not they should not go through with their vamping up of COVID-19 tests, but it's definitely something to keep an eye out on as we are seeing, of course, those countries that are in support of them not doing so much testing on their imported products. Yeah, it's definitely a contentious issue uh, moving forward here, Ashton. going to be an interesting one to see how uh, 
Vice President Biden handles if he does, of course, step into office. But I wanted to talk a little bit more here about some news factors that are continuing to move the markets. Of course, the announcement that Moderna has now a COVID-19 vaccine that's 94.5% effective has really helped to stabilize quite a few equity markets. And we've seen those drive higher here. But on the flip side, we're also seeing a lot of states start to shut down. So we're seeing some two competing forces, if you will, playing in the markets. We've also seen the... Uh, we have also seen Brazilian and Argentine, Argentinian farmers have some issues when it comes to weather. We've seen uh, Brazilian soybeans say that farmers say that they're about 70% planted, but we are continuing to see them fight inclement weather. And we saw soybeans open about 23 cents higher following a drier forecast for South America and an increasingly rosier outlook for the economy as a whole. So we're continuing to see that little factor push markets higher today. And then lastly, we've also seen rumors today that China is back in the market for U.S. corn via the Gulf. And we've seen that support Chicago Board of Trade prices today. We've also seen cash and futures prices were weaker last week as Chinese corn, you know, pulled back just slightly, but seeing that strengthen up again this week and seeing China allegedly step back into the market today has been very supportive for commodities. Well, Delaney, I'm glad that you brought up markets because I want to talk about the ethanol market and more specifically ADM. Another lawsuit is claiming that ADM manipulated the ethanol market. Six Wisconsin and one Iowa ethanol producer filed suit last week against ADM, claiming the large grain buyer and ethanol producer violated the Sherman Act's monopoly provisions, along with several state business regulations in Iowa, Illinois, and Wisconsin by artificially depressing the price of U.S. ethanol. The U.S. District Court in Central Illinois has already three similar lawsuits against ADM, and all the plaintiffs allege that the company intentionally depressed ethanol prices with its 70% control of the Argo, Illinois terminal market. So we're still seeing some things being filed against ADM, and I'm not sure if those original three lawsuits have been settled yet. From my knowledge, they they have not, but just um, adding a couple of more things to ADM's plate. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to be finding a lot more factors like that here. Heading into 2021, I am thinking, Ashton, but I tell you what, I'm all out of news for today. I am as well. How about we get into the markets? Let's do that. And like I said today, really, there were some bullish factors playing into the markets today that caused things to really head higher from here all across the board, except for, unfortunately, in the wheat markets, as we saw that uh, Russia, of course, announced that they were going to be extending their export quota window a little longer than normal. Everything else, though, pretty well supported, starting off with the December corn contract up four cents today to close at 420 and a quarter. The March up two and a half to close at 426 and three quarters. In the soybean pits, the January contract up 16 today to close at 1169 and three quarters. The March up 14 to close at 1168 and a half. In the wheat pits, the December contract pulling back 
two and three quarters cent to close at five ninety two and a quarter. The March down a penny and three quarters to close at six oh three on the nose. Hopping over to talk about the livestock pits, we saw the December live cattle contract up ninety cents to close at one eleven thirty two and a half. The February up a dollar fifty-five to close at one thirteen fifty-seven. In the feeder cattle pits, November adding ten cents to close at one thirty-seven thirty-seven. January up a dollar eighty to close at one thirty-nine seventy-two and a half, continuing that strength all the way through to the lean hog markets. As the December contract added thirty-seven and a half cents to close at sixty-five fifty-two. The February up a dollar eighty-five to close at sixty-five sixty-two, and rounding out our markets with the Class Three dairy milk futures. November unchanged on the on the day to close at twenty three oh three. December down fifty eight to close at sixteen sixteen. Ashton, without further ado, fill us in on not necessarily who we're talking to this week, but there's an event going on right now virtually. The National Association of Farm Broadcasters Convention usually would be held in person in Kansas City right now, but it's going on virtually instead. Yes, Delaney, and we will have some more convention news featured on the podcast later this week as it begins to roll out. But today we are talking about Farmers.gov's new conservation concerns tool. Hi, everyone. I would like to introduce you to the conservation concerns tool available on Farmers.gov. This tool is an educational tool for farmers and producers to help them identify their conservation resource concerns on their land. As you can see, the tool is located here at farmers.gov slash conserve slash tool. Um, if you scroll down, you can see the tool itself. And as it says, it helps you identify and get help with conservation issues. The issues it presents here are in the SWAPA model, soil, water, animals, plants, air, and energy. Now I'm just gonna walk through the tool and show you how you might use it to give you a sense of how it works. You are of course welcome to explore to see all of the issues that it covers. Um, but for the sake of argument, let's say I'm a farmer and I am concerned about soil on my land. I think that I might have some issues with soil erosion. So I click soil and it takes me to the soil landing page. It uh, offers me a brief introduction to the topic of soil, get assistance with your conservation issues, um, and then it has a list of concerns. Um, so I'm gonna look through these and see if any of them seem to match the resource concerns that I think that I have on my land. And I am concerned with uh, erosion and I think that non-concentrated is my concern. There are other ones listed here. I can click on any of them, but I'm just gonna click on this one to show you. Um, so in this card, now that I've expanded it, it shows me a definition of what the concern is. It describes it. Um, it uses non-technical terms as well as technical terms, so sheet erosion versus removing soil and thin layers. And then it shows me a picture of an example of what this might look like. Um, it offers me a list of possible causes, possible solutions, practices that might help, and has other available resources. Um, I can print this directly or I can add it to my concerns list, which you will see over here on the right hand side. 
this is um, going to include everything that I pick. I could theoretically pick everything available um, and it builds a list for me. So I am going to scroll down because I want to add more things. And I think I might also have an issue with my livestock. So I'm going to go ahead and click animals and it will take me to the animals page. And as you can see, formatted just like the soil page, there is an introduction to the topic, uh, an explanation of the tool itself, and then a list of issues. Now, I am worried that I do not have adequate livestock shelter, particularly for the winter. So I'm going to look at this. And just like on the soil page, I could look at any of them. They all have content. Um, this describes what the issue is, has a picture demonstrating the issue, explains causes, possible solutions, and has some resources. And again, I can print for more information. I'm going to go ahead and add this to my list as well. If I thought I made a mistake and I don't want it added to my list, I can always remove it here. Um, very easy to do. And I think those are all the concerns that I want to talk to my NRCS local office about. So I'm going to go ahead and hit build your list. And once I do that, it um, generates a list. As you can see here with uh, space for me to write notes if I want to further explain or notate anything. And it has a tool here to find my local service center. And so I'm going to go ahead and put in my local service center and it will find it based on my county. Easy to add. And there it is. So I can hit print or download and the list it generates um, will just have this information. My service center with the concerns that I've noted. And this directs me to contact my local service center to talk to them about it. And that is the tool. Thank you very much for watching. So yeah, that is the demo of our tool. We are happy to take questions. As I mentioned at the top, you're welcome to either use the chat function or raise your hand or um, go off mute to directly ask questions. Um, Janet asks, can you email your list to the office? Yes, so you can download your list as a PDF and use the email address that it returns um, to, to send it to your local office. Any other questions? Hey, Ashley, I just wanted to flag for everyone that we just had a farmers.gov blog on the tool that went live. And so we shared the link in the chat here if you're interested in reading that blog. Thank you very much. Well, if there are no further questions, I can only assume it's because the demo was very easy to understand. <laughs> um, one more question. Is there money available to help farmers address resource concerns? Um, so, yes. So this is uh, about all of NRCS's programs. Um, this is an introduction to resource concerns. It's really an educational tool to help farmers um, think through and educate themselves on what the research concerns on their land might be to enable them to have a conversation with their local service center. Um, and then in that conversation with their local service center, um, they can identify what programs might be most helpful for um, addressing those concerns.
It was exciting to be a part of yet another media event today, especially one talking about conservation. And I think it's very important that, you know, our government bodies, I suppose, roll out tools to help farmers who are concerned about things such as conservation. Absolutely. And I think the government is working uh, diligently to put together tools like that. It's going to be interesting to see when we do get to a new administration, what kind of tools they will roll out, assuming we do have a Biden administration moving forward. But we'll be keeping you abreast of all of those changes as they hit you. We certainly will, Delaney. And you can tune in to the Ag News Daily Podcast this week once again to hear a little bit more about the NAFB conference. And you can listen to those future episodes on our website at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.